0: a Podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. Salutations. This is Dalton Castle and I hope you're sitting someplace comfortable and I hope you're hydrated because you're listening to the Random Wrestling Podcast with OK Fabe. We're sure about that name, right? Should I do another take? No. No, the first one was fine. What's up, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor OK Fabe on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Impact Wrestling's hard-to-kill pay-per-view, Raw coming off of a well intriguing ceremony with Lana and Lashley, including a very intriguing fist fight between six individuals and Seth Rollins getting himself a new member. Plus, we're going to talk about NWA Power, the updated NWA TV title brackets for the tournament for well the TV title. Plus, we're going to talk about AEW, NXT, and so much more. All this, and maybe some other stuff too, on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. And now, OK Faye presents the Random Wrestling Podcast. I have been waiting a long time to say these words, and I'm gonna say them right here, right now, tonight. Your number one source for all pro wrestling talk with a comedy twist. Where the hell did Randy Orton Hey. The mayor the f- is. How you doing, man? Yeah, good to see you. All right, yeah, you wear your little thing. You're looking like a flying nun. All right, hey, do me a favor, park the rock truck. What's going on, everybody? Is yours truly Connor, AK? Okay, Fabe, welcome back to episode 108 of the Random Wrestling Podcast. Right here, of course, on Fight TV, wherever you guys are watching this, of course amazing podcast from of course we're also on every major podcasting platforms we're on apple google iHeartRadio, spotify and i'm pretty sure at least three or four others names i can't even humanly pronounce i mean i think there's one that's called popcorn for god's sakes so i'm pretty sure it's called popcorn i'll have to go back and check. maybe popcast i don't know anyway we're probably on there too anyway thank you guys so much for tuning in i really appreciate all the love and support and interactivity make sure you hit me up on that social media too at okfabe on twitter i always love talking to you guys with everything in the world the pro wrestling world and man I thought last week was busy with Wrestle Kingdom coverage and everything like that. I, I have to start to remember, getting back in the groove of things, that really, there's no off-season in wrestling. There's no slow period. There is always something happening, especially lately. Lately there has been so much boom with wrestling, and I know a lot of people say wrestling boom, and, I debate that, but either way, you got to admit, there is a lot going on in wrestling, uh, especially this week. And we're going to talk about all that, but don't forget, love to hear what you guys have to say about all this. Make sure you hit us up in the comments. Make sure you let us know on social media and anywhere or wherever you guys are watching this from. Love to hear your thoughts on everything that goes on in the week of pro wrestling. But let's start things off with what took place not last Friday, but the previous SmackDown before from the Ford Center in Evansville, Indiana. I kind of forgot to mention something on last week's episode, by the way. I talked about returns of Sheamus and return of um, uh, of the Wyatt, of uh, Bray Wyatt himself, the fiend himself, Bray Wyatt. But I forgot to mention the Usos, and I think that was something I glaringly just forgot to mention. And I will talk about the Usos' return and why I think it is a huge positive in a bunch of different ways, not just because of his association with Roman Reigns, but also because of the tag team division over on SmackDown. Speaking of which, we got a very interesting glimpse at what the future holds for the tag team division with John Morrison. Now, we did see John Morrison return last week in a, well, very brief segment where he basically came out of Miz... Ms's dressing room. That was it. However, when it was announced that Ms TV was going to be hosting John Morrison, all eyes were on him to see exactly where things were going to go. Now, I will give them credit. I do like the idea of Morrison turning into a heel. For those of you who missed it, he basically berated the audience saying, Ms having one bad day and you toss aside what he was able to do and his illustrious uh, achievements in the last 15 years. I have to give him credit. It was a nice transition. It's hard to say whether or not I like Morrison as a heel or a face, but if anything, the potential of having the return of Miz and Morrison as a tag team has me smiling from ear to ear. Because if you haven't seen the Dirt Sheet stuff from back about a decade ago, like I said last week, you owe it to yourself to go watch it. Trust me, it is well worth it. And to be honest with you, the idea that we're even teasing a feud with The New Day, another great entertaining group, just makes me that much more interested in what they're going to do for the tag team division now granted we may have seen this before and it might get a little too comedic so those of you guys who don't like comedy wrestling it might be a little bit too much for you but for me personally i am 100 percent all on board with this this is going to be fun if they start bringing back some of the dirt sheet segments and you have new day spontaneity and just craziness it's going to be good stuff believe you me So we saw that more, of course, with Morrison turning on basically the fans within the first two weeks that he's been there, and of course, assisting Miz to get a win over on Kofi Kingston, which just solidifies the friendship more. So I I like this because Morrison isn't being thrusted into something huge right away. It's kind of like an easy transition right into tag team wrestling, and considering New Day are the tag team champions, this just makes me really excited. And I'll talk more about the tag team wrestling aspect when we get to the main event, especially with the Usos. But we also had some announcements It is Royal Rumble season, people! One of my favorite pay-per-views in the entire year is the Royal Rumble, and unfortunately, there's one thing that's always been a thorn in my side the last couple of years when it comes to the Rumble. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we actually had the return of, yes, the greatest singer and composer and entertainer on SmackDown, and that is, of course, Elias. Elias, whom I wish to walk with, announced himself that he's going to be entering into the Royal Rumble, and while I have no problem with that, I'm actually very excited to see Elias make his return to SmackDown. The part that bugs me is the fact that he just announced it. I don't know about you guys, and I don't know how old you are or how back or far back you've watched wrestling, but I hate to even say this Back in my day! They used to have Royal Rumble qualifying matches, where you'd have two superstars fighting it out, and the winner got to be in the Rumble, and the loser didn't. Now, it didn't necessarily mean that the loser was completely out of the Rumble, but to me, it just elevated the presence and the importance of the Royal Rumble match. Now, I don't think you could, unfortunately, do that with the women's Royal Rumble, just because the shortage of the women on the roster you kind of have to put all hands on deck i I understand that especially with nxt being added on but the idea that you just announce yourself to be in the rumble i don't know it's kind of disheartening i mean you kind of when you put someone like oh i don't know let's say they did roman reigns versus shorty g for a spot on the rumble i think you all know who's going to win that match but it's just something about again making the rumble match mean more when you have to fight your way to get into it. it it's, you have to qualify. You can't just say, I'm in the Royal Rumble too. It, it just, to me, it takes away from the importance of it. I'm not saying you have to have 30 matches to you know make your, your list of the people in the Royal Rumble. I'm not saying you have to have 30 matches across the shows. Give me, I don't know, 10. Give me a couple of the top tier talent. Get some of the mid-card talent. In fact, going back for a bit, if I can go off on a tangent here, SmackDown used to do this thing where they had, I think, four or five qualifying matches, and then the last one was a battle royal for everybody who didn't qualify, and the win, the last one or two people would be entered in the Rumble, so it was like a redemption battle royal. Anyway, the point is, I wish they brought back qualifying matches. Just my own little peek. But moving on to something really fun, and something I failed to really go into detail about last week as well, was the love relationship between Otis and Mandy Rose. Um... <laughs> a lot of people have told me on social media that the Otis-Mandy-Rose relationship is the best thing going on SmackDown right now. And I find it very hard to disagree with anybody. The emotions that Otis plays out, and I'm telling you right now, Otis is going to be a superstar. Like, now I know he is now, but I mean, he's going to be a bigger name once he breaks away uh, from Tucker as part of Heavy Machinery. Which stinks, because I like them together as a team. But you know the way that Otis has been spotlighted in this segment—I don't say it's a rivalry—but this program, it's just so fun. The little mannerisms that he does, the facial expressions, the just—you can tell he's having so much fun with it. Long story short, last week we saw Otis make a cake for Mandy and, of course, Dolph Ziggler stomped on it, saying he's a loser, etc., and so forth. So Mandy actually baked him a cake in an apologetic form, and Otis seemed to take it very well. In fact, Otis was able to help distract Alexa Bliss to give Mandy the win for their match later on in the evening. So if there's any segment you're going to watch from SmackDown, go give that one some. And I'm, I'm curious to see where things build from there. I hope it's not cliche and we get a little bit of a swerve, but either way, I'm enjoying the ride while I can. Now, we were supposed to have another women's matchup where we were supposed to have Lacey Evans against Sasha Banks, but Banks is, of course, out recording her rap album. And when Lacey Evans goes to find her, she actually gets jumped by Bailey, and the two have a little bit of a scrap backstage. Now, as far as the SmackDown women's division, again, something I failed to bring up last week, the SmackDown women's division is very perplexing, and it's unfortunately a, a, a bigger problem of building up stars. Unfortunately, I feel, and this is just my opinion, that the SmackDown women's division is suffering the most because they put their two top stars, Bayley and Sasha, and they have really not developed any other ones. I'm not saying that Lacey Evans is not good or Dana Brooke is not good. It's a matter of perception. You have not given me any reason, for me, my opinion, to want to see this match if you built up stuff or you built up other rivalries or other things with the women going away from the title, it could be fun and it could be entertaining. Now, granted, you could see Sasha versus Bailey and have one of them turn very quickly. I personally don't want to do that, but I'm just saying is that I think they need to change things up. But with Mania season around the corner, I'm being optimistic, but we'll see how that plays out. Now, I wouldn't be reminiscent if we didn't talk about <sighs> Ramblin' Rabbit. Yes, Rambling Rabbit. Unfortunately, Daniel Bryan was trying to be warned by Mr. Rambling Rabbit of the Firefly Funhouse and met his demise at the hands of of, of Bray. Now, here's the weird thing. Rambling Rabbit has been taken out before. And so that's maybe why I don't have much gravitas to this. I need to stress again that I really think that this could be a very good rivalry and feud for both Bryan and Bray if they develop it well. Considering that we are about a week's away from the Rumble, which means we have one more SmackDown in order to build this up properly, I'm a little nervous to see where things go, but we'll we'll see how how things play out. And I'll give you guys my full preview on the Rumble on next week's episode, just in time as we're going to be doing, well, a Royal Rumble review, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But it could be fun. I want to see where things go in the last couple of weeks leading into their Rumble match. I I think they're going to keep it going after that, but we'll see. I also think it's probably going to be one of the better matches in the entire card. But let's also talk about everything else. I see title feud. Looks like we're getting a tease between Strowman and Shinsuke Nakamura, with even Strowman holding up the prestigious new design of the Intercontinental title. Which, by the way, for the record, it is starting to grow on me, and I get why they did that. I know a lot of people were very, like, rolling their eyes about the whole idea of a new title and getting away from the classic design, but you can't really be that surprised when WWE is attempting to make as many of their belts, I don't wanna say uniform, but that's the best way I can describe it. And honestly, out of all the newer designs they've introduced, uh, that's one of my favorites. That, the UK title, are probably two of my favorite recent designs uh, for the WWE championships. Just throwing that out there. Strowman as Intercontinental Champion, I think, would be awesome. Uh, I wish it was as a heel, but given the circumstances, I understand at the same time. Now, let's talk about the main event. We had the Usos taking on Corbin and Ziggles in the main event. Now, going back to what I said before, the Usos also made their return to SmackDown last week, or two weeks ago at this point. And I failed to mention how excited I was for that. Because, number one, I love me some Usos. They're one of the best tag teams they've got going right now in the company. Period. No questions asked. I think aligning with Roman Reigns makes the most sense. I know not everybody is a fan of the way the SmackDown main event scene is going right now. Um, and I'm not talking about Bray and Brian. I'm talking about, like, Roman, Ziggles, uh, Baron Corbin kind of thing. I think adding the Usos is a great mix to kind of mix things up in that, like, co-main event spot. And honestly, given who else gets added onto it, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I think bringing the Usos, especially aligning with Roman Reigns, is a very, very, very smart move. I mean, why not? Gives the Usos something to do uh, outside of the tag team title, so you get Miz and Morrison to breathe with the New Day on one side. And on the other side, it gives a backup to Roman Reigns, so you can have these big, high-profile six-man tag or multi-man matches and interchange them with either the Usos or Roman and then the other three guys. I mean, it's been done before and it's kind of formulaic, but I'm enjoying it so far. And the main event was pretty solid, too, until... Roman, of course, got his hands involved and got himself a DQ. But we saw another return. Yes, we're going to keep piling on the returns on SmackDown, and we got the return of Mr. Bobby Roode. Yes, Robert Roode returned to SmackDown and aligned himself with Ziggler and Baron Corbin, laying waste to the Roman Reigns and the Usos. Now, I really like this, And, and, and... I think that I can, I don't want to speak for anybody. I can only speak for myself. Rude's run on the main roster has not been that great compared to his run on NXT. I don't think anybody can doubt that. Yes, he won the tag team title. Yes, he won the US title, but he has not been treated the same since he came up to the main roster. Now I could go on for days about why that's happened or what the reasoning behind that is, but at the end of the day, it has not been that successful. Having him away from TV for a while and having him not really be a focus on SmackDown and then coming in and in- interjecting himself basically in one of the top programs on the show could be beneficial for his growth in 2020 if they know how to play it right. It doesn't do any good if you're not going to do anything with it and just have him be a third lackey. Rude was a great NXT champion. He wasn't one of the best, but he was a very good NXT champion. And if they bring any sort of remnants of that character to SmackDown to align with Ziggler and and Corbin, it could mean really big things for him. And I hope they do. We'll just have to see how it plays out over on SmackDown. But of course, that's just me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. Now... Switching away from WWE for a second, I do want to talk about Impact Wrestling, Hard to Kill pay-per-view. That was, of course, taking place at the Bomb Factory in Dallas, Texas. Impact having a very impressive weekend. Of course, they did have Bash at the Brewery too, which was highlighted by, and I'm not even kidding here, Taya Valkyrie and Jordyne Grace having an amazing beer bash, to say the least. But, Hard to Kill was the big pay-per-view that everyone's talking about. And and, And I need to get off this right off the bat. I know what you're all thinking. I know you, what you all want me to talk about. The big thing that was on everyone's mind when it came to Impact Wrestling over the weekend leading into this pay-per-view. The red championship belts. Listen, I, I know Impact's been associated with blue for the last couple of years, but red, it looks nice. Like On some of the belts, it looks okay. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I know what you guys want me to talk about. You want me to talk about the, te- the controversial me- tweets from Tessa Blanchard, or rather the tweet that related to other people responding to the tweet about some of Tessa's, well, supposed past behavior. I'm not gonna go into detail about that. I don't wanna, I know I talked about social media stuff last week on the the show, but I really don't wanna stern too much into that. The bottom line is, you know, that's a whole different scenario, and that's a whole different thing. I'm not condoning anything she allegedly did. I want to focus more on the positivity of how good Hard to Kill was. Now, I know a lot of people tend to joke about impact sometimes, and and sometimes don't even really pay attention to it, but believe you me, you owe it to yourself if you have the chance to definitely check out the Hard to Kill pay-per-view, of course, on Fight TV. This one was very surprising. There was a lot of matches on here that were very, very good, that I want to just kind of really quickly go over with you guys. We had Ken Shamrock defeating Madman Fulton. It was, a, If anything, it was very impressive how great Ken Shamrock... Yeah, THE Ken Shamrock, former Intercontinental Champion Ken Shamrock defeating Madman Fulton in a great matchup one-on-one. Uh, I was just blown away how in great physical shape Ken Shamrock is and, and how great he was able to pull off in the ring. Just very impressed with that. Ace Austin retaining the X Division Championship over Trey, and I love the story they did with uh, with Austin kind of hitting on Trey's mom. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, just and, and she was even in the at ringside for the whole thing, which was really fun. But the women's matchup: Taya Valkyrie defending the Knockouts title in the three-way against both Jordyn Grace. And ODB, of course, we had John E. Bravo distract the referee as Jordyn seemed to get the victory here, but Taya Valkyrie sneaks thing in. I love the finish to that. Leaves the door wide open for another match between Jordyn Grace and Taya Valkyrie. I think it's just a matter of time before Jordyn Grace gets that knockout title. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That being said... I was kind of a little bit let down about that particular match. It's nothing against the three women. All three are amazing in-ring competitors. Just something was a little off that night, but still might want to give it some love because it's the knockouts. We had Brian Cage versus RVD, or at least we were supposed to have Brian Cage versus RVD, but we had some shenanigans as RVD attacked and did a, uh, well, a coast-to-coast to Brian Cage. Now, uh, supposedly giving him a concussion, I haven't gotten an exact confirmation, but Brian Cage was taken out, And instead, we have Daga, which RVD had made quick work of in that matchup. So we didn't get a chance to really see the match between RVD and Cage, but instead, Daga took his place, and RVD got a quick win. And I would be remiss if I didn't really talk about the intriguing rumor that not too long after this match, I'm not even kidding you, moments after this match, social media went ablaze that apparently, supposedly, allegedly, Brian Cage is on his way to AEW. And let me just say this for the record, if... This is true. That is a huge pickup for AEW. Um, I like the fact that they're going after more established independent talent than they would for like former WWE, TNA, well, I mean, (laughs) former Impact Wrestling names. But I think Brian Cage would be a very unique fit because if you look at the AEW roster, except for maybe Wardlow, there really isn't anybody like Brian Cage. And supposedly Cage was actually looking to work more with AEW in the past but because of his contract with Impact, it was kind of a you know different situation, especially when he was the world champion at the time. Either way, it's just a rumor at this point, hasn't been officially confirmed as far as I can tell as of this recording, but if it is, huge pickup for AEW, looking forward to that. We had Eddie Edwards defeating Michael Elgin in one of the best matches of the entire night, honestly, I rank it up there as one of the best. There are two, and I'll get to the other one in a second. Amazing match between the two with Edwards getting the victory. Gotta give some love to my fellow Massachusetts native Eddie Edwards. Uh, Moose defeating Rhino in an ODQ match. This one was a little bit slower paced, and I know Moose did not, even though he came out on top, did not come out of this thing without any injuries. Hopefully he's recovering very well. But just wasn't. I just didn't feel the the, the chemistry between the two of them going at it. Uh, the North retaining their Impact World Tag Team titles in a handicap match against Willie Mack. Unfortunately. Rich Rich was supposed to be Willie Mack's tag team partner, but was not able to make it. I believe it was due to an injury. I cannot have that confirmed at this time, but I will give a lot of credit to Willie Mack. Willie Mack had an incredible performance that I thought was going to be an elevated squash match because of its nature. And you think, well, of course, Willie Mack's not going to win the, the tag team titles by himself. But legitimately, there were a moment or two where I thought that maybe, just maybe, Mac was going to win the title. And they could have turned that into an interesting storyline, with maybe Swan coming back and just wanting the title, and Mac saying you didn't do anything to earn it. But either way, amazing performance by all those men. Great, great matchup. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the world title match, Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. And for the first time in history, to my knowledge, a female, a woman is now the world's heavyweight champion for Impact Wrestling. Now, a couple things here. Obviously, I know a lot of people were talking about the controversy surrounding Tessa's well, tweet that opened up the floodgates on social media. I'm not gonna be talking about that like I mentioned. I wanna focus more on this. This matchup was incredible. It was very dramatic. It was very back and forth. It was very, very well done. I like the Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin match by a hair more, but this one was another one that was up there. Like I said, I had two favorite matches of the night. Tessa and uh, Sami Callahan were one. Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards beat it by just a hair. Tessa winning was so emotional. It was a great night for her. You know, unfortunately a lot of people wanted to talk about like okay, their, you know, impacts in this t- sticky situation do they not give her the title based off of the controversy and and supposed allegations towards her? Do they not? I think that it was a smart move to have her win the championship. I don't understand the negativity towards it either. It's just it, it baffles me a little bit that there was some negativity towards it. I understand if it was in connotation towards the allegations. I I understand that, but at the end of the day, as far as her in-ring comp- performance is concerned, I think she definitely earned it. I'm very curious because it seems, especially what we saw on Impact this week, they aren't done yet. And we've got uh, Redemption right down the road, or sorry, Rebellion right down the road, and then Lockdown not too far after. Hmm, who knows? We'll see how things play out. But I'm really happy, awesome for Tessa Blanchard. And if you haven't seen Hard to kill, go check out the replay. It is available, of course, over on Fight TV. Hey everyone, make sure you check out all the amazing wrestling action over on Fight TV. If you guys missed out on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 14, either Night 1, Night 2, or even New Year's Dash, don't worry, Fight TV's got you covered. You guys can order the entire bundle pack of both nights of Wrestle Kingdom 14, along with New Year's Dash, including some amazing matches like John Moxley and Lance Archer in a Texas deathmatch, Okada versus Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight title, plus you got Chris Jericho and Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the solo blast matches of Jushin Thunder Liger, the awesome retirement matches for his last run, so make sure you guys order that, but also, don't forget to check out Impact Wrestling and RCW's Bash at the Brewery 2, one of two awesome Impact events coming to Fight TV, and as well, as Impact Plus. And speaking of Impact, they also have another pay-per-view right around the corner, hard to kill. You can order the replay right now. It's got some great lineup, including Ace Austin defending the Impact X Division Championship, Taya Valkyrie in a three-way for the Knockouts title against Jordan Grace and ODB, plus the intergender match for the Impact World title as Tessa Blanchard challenges Sammy Callahan for the title. Plus, last but certainly not least, the National Wrestling Alliance makes its return to pay-per-view on Fight TV with Hard Times. It's the return of the NWA TV title, the finals of the tournament to crown the new champion, plus all the amazing action that the National Wrestling Alliance has to offer. So make sure you check out this and all the amazing stuff available on Fight TV. Now switching gears, of course, over to back to WWE over on Monday Night Raw, taking place from the Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. There was some weird stuff and weird shenanigans going down when it came to Monday Night Raw. We had Drew McIntyre possibly turning babyface we talked about this last week but especially with the triple threat with randy orton and aj styles who and i can't believe i'm saying this we're arguing over who had the better rko why are you guys arguing about this orton's been doing the move for what at least two decades almost two decades pretty sure two decades at this point if not really close to it it's his move aj can do Anything, I mean, AJ can almost do any sort of move. I, I, there's very little things AJ Styles can't do. I'm not saying he can't do an RKO, but, like, why are you arguing about this? You can literally do, like, 20 more moves that are better, AJ. Anyway, Drew comes out, is sick of the babbling. Mazel tov. Cheers to you, sir. But then he beats him. Sweet! I'm all for that! I'm very interested to see Drew's role in the Rumble. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here talking about the Royal Rumble again, but I do like this subtlety they're doing with Drew, and I think this is a great opportunity to turn him babyface, which seems like the direction they're going. I don't know if this means that Drew is slated to face the Beast for the championship at WrestleMania. At this point, we have had no sort of rumors or rumblings, no pun intended, of what is going to happen and who lesnar is going to face at wrestlemania for the wwe championship there's been no real indication on any side like there's been no feelers and rumble will probably be like we mentioned before the time that we're going to see when you know who's going to be really coming out on top i'm not saying i'm going to be mad if it's not drew I i just legitimately don't know who else I don't know who else could challenge, and if they're really gonna have somebody on the raw side who's a top babyface do it, Drew seems like a great fit. I mean, I'm not saying like people like Owens or Joe couldn't, but just the way they're going about it, I'm just saying keep your eye out on Drew. If he's not the one to either take out Lesnar, be taken out by Lesnar, or start the program with Lesnar after, he's gonna have a dominating role in the Rumble. I'm just throwing that out there right now. It's not a prediction, it's a prediction. Maybe that should be a new T-shirt. Anyway, uh, moving on, we had Charlotte Flair versus Sarah Logan in pretty much a squash match, more or less, and we did see like a brief preview of the Rumble with Charlotte tossing Sarah Logan outside the ring, which, of course, is pretty much the standard MO when we get into the Rumble season with people just tossing people out of the ring to preview the idea of what's going to happen inside the Royal Rumble. What I'm more curious about is what's going to happen to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's really not been doing a whole lot since being on the outskirts of the women's championship run. I mean, we had a great tag team match at TLC, but what's next for Charlotte? Is she going to have another high-profile match at Mania? Is she going to be involved in the title once again? I think Charlotte moving to Raw was, in my opinion, honestly, the worst idea they could have done with her. I mean... She was on SmackDown for a while, granted, but like I mentioned earlier with the SmackDown Women's Division, having her over on SmackDown and maybe even have her as a babyface would be great so you can start building up other heel women that are not Bailey or Sasha and kind of help balance things out a little bit more. I mean, granted, yeah, you have Becky over and Charlotte on one side and Bailey and Sasha on the other, so you're separating the four horsewomen, but I'm just saying we need a little bit more oomph in certain places. But speaking of the Rumble... We, of course, had the return of Heyman and Lesnar in arguably the best segment on Monday Night Raw this past Monday when, as Heyman continues his usual shtick about uh, Lesnar winning and dominating and conquering and such, out comes another champion, the WWE 24-7 champion, <sighs> our truth You know, when R-Truth is in the ring, and it's going to be with Brock Lesnar, you know it's going to be some good stuff. And it was, because Truth, like his usual shtick, his, I can't, I'm trying to remember what he called himself, the 24-7 TV Kentucky champion, or you have to go back, You trust me, you need to go watch the segment itself, declares that he's going to win the Rumble by tossing out Paul Heyman. Yep, he's going to win the Rumble by eliminating <sighs> Paul Heyman. If you love R-Truth stuff, I'm telling you, you, you will love this, and I do. I love every time R-Truth is involved. And again, you can tell the guy's just having fun. Of course, Lesnar is even laughing his butt off. Of course, it doesn't take long for Lesnar to also get in on it and completely obliterate our truth Now, in an interesting little twist, Mojo Rawley, not too long after this, sneaks and slides in and actually pins our truth to become 24-7 champion. Not being a total idiot. I'm that smart move. Why didn't anybody else think of doing this? Seriously. But in any case... <laughs> A lot of people are saying they kind of wish that Lesnar would pin Truth and become the 24-7 champion, which I'm like, please, no. The 24-7 title is the comedic shtick of a championship, which we know it's role and purpose. If Lesnar wins the thing, we're not going to... It's gone. The thing's gone. It's not coming back if Lesnar's winning the 24-7 title. So let him beat him up, Truth. It, it makes sense to me. I'm fine with it. Lesnar does not need the 24-7 championship. We will never get it back. Never. Trust You want to go to his farm? Get, no. I'm good. I'm good. Besides, the, way the amount of times that Lesnar shows up, it wouldn't be the 24-7 title. It'd be like the once a month or twice a month championship. Anyway, Lesnar will be back on Raw this coming Monday night as we head on home towards the Royal Rumble. Now, we also had another Rumble uh, stipulation, or rather a Rumble implication is we had a contract signing between Becky Lynch and Asuka, which honestly was one of my favorite ones in recent memory. Contract signings are, of course, kind of the standard MO, but with Asuka spitting that green mist into Becky's face, it kind of amped things up a little bit. Again, not anything really huge to take away, other than the fact that Asuka, you know, carries apparently green mist wherever. I really need to learn how they pull that off. Do they just keep the mist inside of the, in their mouth the entire time? How do they talk? How long do they keep it in there? What is it exactly made of? Why green? I have a lot of questions when it comes to this stuff. But either way, I like the, I like the little kind of like little dig. It's another little layer to add onto this uh, with the match between Asuka and Becky at the Rumble for the Raw Women's Championship. So not anything huge, but I dug it. We had another awesome match between Aleister Black and uh, Buddy Murphy. Great singles matchup. Third time in a row, though, that Buddy Murphy got the loss. And as I was taking notes for this show about this match, I was actually going to go off on a tangent about how Buddy Murphy wasn't being used properly and how he was such in such a prominent spot, even though it was against Aleister Black and losing, how they were having great matches. And I was worried about Buddy Murphy. Put a pin in that thought for a minute before I get back to that. I'll get back to that in just a second. Now, of course, we also saw some back-and-forth banter between Andrade, Cien Almas, and Rey Mysterio, confirming that next week on Raw, we are getting ourselves a good old-fashioned ladder match. And no, we're not going to see the contract for uh, Dominic's papers up on the top of the ladder, if you don't get my reference. SummerSlam 2005, classic. Then (laughs) we're going to have the U.S. title suspended. So, I mean, you know, much like the Aleister Black-Buddy Murphy match, It's going to be good. You know it's going to be good because every time we've seen Ray and Andrade go at it, it's been great stuff. And honestly, I'm assuming both of these guys are going to probably be in the Rumble, Uh, so I'm totally fine with them putting on a... We know we're going to get at least one very good match on Raw next week, you know what I mean, unless they make it a squash, but, you know, Ray and Andrade have been putting on very good matches every single time they step into the ring, so why not? Why not have them go at it one more time in the ladder? And again, if both these men are supposedly going to be in the Rumble anyway... Might as well. This is not something that's not uncommon when it comes to the mid-card championship when it comes to Rumble season. Usually you'll see a lot of more championships being defended before the Rumble, mid-card, tag, women's, et cetera, since a lot of focus tends to be driven so much on the Rumble matches themselves. Say, so hey, win-win for me, and like I said, we at least get one good match on Raw next week. But put up your dukes, folks. It's time for the fist fight. Now, with the fist fight... There was one really big question I had about the fist fight, I'm sure you guys had the same question too. What's a fist fight? What is this thing? What is this? It made, I was baffled. We literally had a six-man tag team match last week on Raw, Seth Rollins and the Authors of Pain against The Big Show, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe. We had a rematch between all six of them in a fist fight. And please, I'd love to see people and love when people try to explain the differences between a fist fight, a street fight, a no-holes-barred, false count anywhere. Oh, and, um, no, that's pretty much all the big ones. They're all kind of blurring together. So the fist fight rules were very simple. Anything goes, and the ref stops the match. So anything goes until the ref stops the match declares that the other team can't compete, and you have, to, you, have to li- you have to take out all three guys. So essentially, the best way I thought about it going into this was like a last man standing. So not necessarily the count of ten, but basically when the referee's like, you can't go anymore, you can't go anymore. I, I don't know why they just called it, you know, six-man tag, last man standing, maybe because of the ten count, whatever. The fist fight was, well, it was a fist fight, all right. It was basically a giant wild brawl. There were some fun moments. If you haven't seen the gif of Kevin Owens parkouring his way off of the Raw stage, get off the internet and go to the internet and make sure you check it out. It is, it is quite a treat. It is, it is very, very, very fun. But the big thing that everyone took away was the fact that, of course, the heels won. Oh, uh, Rollins, the authors of Pain, got the victory over the babyfaces because... We have a new member of the group. Buddy Murphy ended up turning, well, he was already healed, but joining with Seth Rollins and the Authors of Pain to help them get the victory. So now we have a new four-man stable. Now, what's funny is that lately, I feel like in general, we've seen a lot of he- of a lot of factions in pro wrestling. I mean, you know, when I was actually doing notes for Worlds Collide pay-per-view during Rumble weekend, you think about all the factions that are going on right now. NWA has Strictly Business. We have NXT having the Undisputed Era. AEW has the Nightmare Collective. They also got MJF's little collective going. The Dark Order, you could say, is a faction. You um, You have UK has Imperium, Gallus on the NXT UK side. Now Raw has this one, and SmackDown even has like Roman Reigns and the Usos there there's a lot of factions in wrestling right now and i'm not saying they don't work you just have to kind of balance them out right i think adding buddy murphy was a very smart decision now granted you could have put a lot of other pe- different people in there but considering that murphy really wasn't doing much other than putting alistair black over why not add him to the group different dynamic different style and you know we can go in the ring yeah it's a little random i'll give it that but i i know what's going to be in the long run The big thing for me about adding Buddy Murphy to the team of Seth Rollins and the Authors of Pain is simply this. He needs to get major victories really quick in order to be seen as a credible addition to this group. Authors of Pain have great reputation. I mean, they haven't been utilized that lately, but they have a very decent reputation. Long-running NXT Tag Team Champions, dominating Raw Tag Team Champions, Seth Rollins' work speaks for itself. Like him or hate him, his work speaks for itself. But Buddy Murphy, despite being cruiserweight champion, has not really had a whole lot compared to his other, well, stablemates. Nay. In fact, he's been really on the losing end, obviously. So as long as they give him some really credible wins while he's with Rollins and the Authors of Pain, I don't even care if it's with, like, shady interference or, like, some sort of BS shenanigans. Just give him the victories. That'll make him look good. That'll build him up. And that'll build up this new stable up. Which, they haven't come up with a name yet as far as this recording is concerned, but... I'd love to hear what you guys would call. It. Let me know your thoughts uh, on social media, comments, wherever you guys are watching and or listening to us from. And, speaking of which, speaking of Seth Rollins, if you guys are a fan of my stuff and want to support the stuff, you should check out the Patreon page, patreon.com. When we get to do a bit of a preview, well, a bit of a deep dive into the recent heel turn of Seth Rollins, you can get that plus some other cool bonus goodies, including Wrestling Retrospective, which is a series by myself and my good friend Jake DeMarco, as we deep dive into the chronicle career of former wrestlers and chronicle their entire career. In fact, the new one is out now with Bruno San Martino. You can listen to it a month in advance. So you want to check it out and support check it out patreon.com slash Hey everyone, the Royal Rumble is right around the corner, and speaking of Rumble, you know me, I'm a big fan of WrestleRumble.com. Hey, you guys like predicting what's going to happen at pay-per-views, right? Well, now's a chance for you to get some cold heart cash in on the deal. WrestleRumble is a great way for you to put your money where your mouth is as you pick who you think is going to win pay-per-view matches. Now, this year is special because not only are they doing the WrestleRumble Royal Rumble Pick'em contest where you can win up to $500 cash, but they're also doing a Royal Rumble Wild Prop Pick them. Think of it kind of like some bizarre antics and some weird questions, like who's going to enter the Men's Rumble at number 30, or who's going to enter the Women's Rumble at number 30, and which wrestle will have the most eliminations in the men's match. And trust me, that's going to be a quite a doozy. So you want to enter in all these. One entry is only $10, three entries 20 and five is only $30. i am no mathematician, but I think I know which is the best deals. So what are you waiting for? Head over to WrestleRumble.com, hit them up on social media at WrestleRumble, and tell them Mr. O.K. Fabe sent you. Now, switching over to N.W.A. Power. Yes, I want to talk more about N.W.A. Power because, well, I want to talk more about the N.W.A. It's one of my favorite promotions going right now. Of course, N.W.A. is heading into hard times. And no, I don't mean they're financially in trouble or some sort of contract dispute. No, that's the name of their pay-per-view, Hard Times. NWA Hard Times is coming right around the corner January 24th, of course taking place from, I'm going to call it the NWA Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm really looking forward to it, and what I just found out from this past taping was a lot went down, including Nick Aldis invading Ring of Honor. It was a big story over the weekend with the NWA's champion basically infiltrating Ring of Honor's show, and declaring, I don't want to say declaring war, but, well, we're going to have ourselves a match. It was announced on NWA Power this week that Nick Aldis has some beef with with Marty Skrull, of course, currently in Ring of Honor, but Flip Gordon wanted to stand toe-to-toe with the champion, and he will stand toe-to-toe with the champion at hard times. Nick Aldis will go one-on-one with Flip Gordon in a ROH versus NWA match, and let me just say this for the record, as much as I love Flip Gordon, local boy from Massachusetts once again, Anybody champion, man, you're, you're in deep trouble. And, of course, Aldis did remind us this is not the first encounter we've seen these two go at it, but I'm still standing with Aldis. Hashtag, I stand with Aldis. But speaking of Aldis, we had a huge six-man tag team match with Team Aldous taking on, well, team, <laughs> team Ricky Morton. And we're going to get into that in just a second, but before we get into that, I do want to talk about the TV title tournament. Now, interestingly enough, we did find out there was going to be an eight-person NWA TV title tournament, easy for me to see that three times fast, that is actually for the majority going to take place at the pay per view. We're going to have all eight competitors compete in up to three matches and the winner of the tournament will go on and become the newly christened nwa tv champion i really like this concept because it kind of gives me a throwback to the king of the ring tournament where a majority of the matches for the tournament would take place at the pay-per-view makes you want to watch the pay-per-view because you're going into it with one of any eight people could end up being the champion at the end and you don't know how it's going to play out I love that idea. It's a padding of the show, but I'm not going to complain. It gives that un- another sense of unpredictability because anything can happen in these matches, and I am all for it. And real quick, just want to give you the updated brackets. We know they are going to have Tim Storm take on either the winner of this, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have Tim Storm versus Zane Dawson in one-on-one action. We're going to have Ricky Starks versus an open spot, which they have confirmed there are two open spots in this tournament, and they are two non-NWA wrestlers. Could be from ROH. Could be from somewhere else. We know Zicky Dice will also take in that last open spot. Uh, we know the Question mark are also going to face the winner of the Thomas Latimer and Trevor Murdoch match that's taking place this coming Tuesday on NWA Power. Really looking forward to this tournament. It's going to be fun, and you know I'm going to be watching it. And make sure you hit me up on social media, on Twitter, at OKFabe, because who knows, maybe I might do uh, a bit of a contest in reverse a hard time. So keep your eyes out for that, for sure. Of course, we have Melina in singles action over on Ashley Vox. Great to see Melina back in the ring, of course. Granted, this isn't the first time we've seen her back in the ring in NWA, but still a fun matchup nonetheless. Now, we also got to receive, well, the Pope. Yeah, the Pope. No, not not the Pope. I'm talking Pope D'Angelo De Niro. He is in NWA, and I'm telling you, I'm smiling from ear to ear on that one, too, because I am a big fan of his work. Now, what I found very interesting was that he was looking to assist or give credence to outlaw inc which of course is eddie kingston and uh homicide and the thing was they were kind of alluding to the idea that he was the manager and even though he was at ringside for their tag team match it was it's a weird i'm curious where this relationship is going i don't know what he he says outright he's not a manager advocate maybe but he's not a manager mouthpiece although they don't need mouthpieces he even said so himself But still a fun match between them against Aaron Stevens and, of course, the question mark, which I need to get a copy of his his mask somewhere out there. If anybody can help me with a question mark mask, please hit me up on Twitter at OKFabe. But let's talk about the main event, the awesome six-man tag. It was Team Aldis, which, of course, was... um, We had Scott Steiner, Thomas Latimer, and Royce Isaacs taking on Team Ricky Morton, which, of course, was Robert Gibson, his tag team partner, Eli Drake, I'm sorry... E. Lie. Drake, and of course, Mama Storm's favorite son, Tim Storm. Now, the big stipulation that was placed on this last week was, of course, that if Team Ricky Morton won, then guess what? Ricky Morton got a shot at Nick Aldis and the 10 pounds of gold. Now, considering the fact that, as far as we know, Aldis versus Flip Gordon will not be for the NWA World Championship, it will just be a standard singles match, I actually really like this idea. You can't tell me that Ricky Morton does not deserve a shot at the NWA World's title. He's a legend in this business, he's the current NWA World Tag Team Champion, he's a Hall of Famer, why doesn't he deserve it? With the, especially with the importance and prestige and legacy and honor of NWA, it makes all the more sense in the world to have Ricky do this, especially if this isn't defending the title at hard times on the 24th. I'm all for this. Baby faces get the victory, so we have ourselves an NWA World's title match next week on NWA Power, and you bet your bottom dollar, yours truly will be in the chat live over on the YouTube channel for NWA, so make sure you check them out and give them some love over on NWA's YouTube channel. But let's talk about some other stuff going on, but before we do, make sure you guys also check out the website okfabe.com. If you guys like my stuff and like what it is that I do, another cool way to help support is check out our website, okfabe.com where I post tons of stuff, including past episodes of Wrestling Retrospective, of course, past episodes of the Random Wrestling Podcast, and you actually get some cool exclusive blog posts and news outlets you won't see anywhere else, including my review of NXT Blackpool, or sorry, NXT TakeOver Blackpool 2. The entire blog and my results and my thoughts on the pay-per-view are up there, so make sure you guys go check that out. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, because guess what? I will be live! That's right, live, right after the Royal Rumble. If you guys are watching this, make sure you guys head over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash okfaber, and join me as I will be live following the Royal Rumble, giving you guys my whole list of review for the entire show. So really looking forward to it, and looking forward to seeing you there. Now, let's shift gears over to NXT. Now, NXT this week was stacked. NXT was nuts this week. I don't know if it was the crowd. the I Really, and I need to be very careful here, and I'm trying to be so... I'm, I'm biased, let's be fair here. Fair. NXT had no bad matches this week, in my opinion. NXT had no bad matches, which I have never really said about many shows in the past that I've ever watched or reviewed. There's always a lull. There's always something that slows things down. There's always a breather. There's always a, a slower-paced match. Not this week. This week had so much action-packed, jammed into it. It was insane. Now, granted, we started off with a slower build with Keith Lee kind of coming out and looking to dominate over Undisputed Era, which resulted in Undisputed Era dominating over Keith Lee, even per- possibly injuring him, but we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, We know that Keith Lee will challenge Roderick Strong for the North American Championship next week on NXT, so make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that one. But the matches themselves were nuts. I'm not going to really focus and harp too much on them, other than the fact that if you're going to watch NXT this week, if there's one weekly show this week as far as from NXT's past that you're going to watch, you might want to watch this one from start to finish. We had two Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, the last of the first round matches going at it. We had a incredible triple threat cruiserweight match, and of course, the battle royal to determine the new number one contender for the NXT women's title. On the Dusty Classic side, we had uh, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, also known as the Broserweights, I love that name to death, against the UK tag team of Mark Andrews and Flash Gordon Webster, who put on an incredible performance at TakeOver Blackpool 2. That match was probably the favorite of the night, and it's really hard to pick these. It is really hard to pick these. But that is probably my favorite match of the entire evening. The match went on longer than I expected, but it never slowed down. It almost never slowed down. The crowd was on their feet. I th- Honestly, at about the halfway point of the match, I didn't care who won. It wasn't a matter of me not caring about the match. It's the fact that these two teams were putting on a clinic, and I didn't care who came out on top. Of course, the browser rates would go on in advance to the semifinals, which will start next week. But, man, I'm telling you, There were a lot of times where I thought that Andrews and Webster were like a hairs away from winning that match. But I'm telling you, if you're going to watch, I I suggest you watch all of NXT this week. If you don't, watch that tag team match. That's the one I'm going to recommend to you. But that wasn't the only one we got. We also had uh, the team of the grizzled young veterans taking on the team of, ready for this, Alex Shelley, making his NXT debut to my knowledge, and Kushida. This one was a very good tag team match and just honestly a treat for me to just see Alex Shelley in NXT. Now, as of this recording, I don't know what his future is in NXT. I don't know if this was just a one-off or if he might be coming in for a more frequent wool, but to my knowledge, he is not signed to a long-term deal for NXT but doesn't take away from an awesome match they had. Grizzle Young Veterans would ultimately get the upset here, which really doesn't surprise me, especially if uh, Alex Shelley's you know appearance this week is just kind of a one-off. But it doesn't take anything away from that, and honestly, I'm just glad a UK, another UK team advances to the semifinals. And Worlds Collide is certainly shaping up to be one heck of a show. In fact, we also saw another segment with the Undisputed Era attacking Tommaso Ciampa when he was saved by former DIY friend himself, Mr. Johnny Wrestling Gargano himself. That's a long name, but you get the idea. In fact, thanks to, once again, social media, we found out that at Worlds Collide, which is taking place Royal Rumble weekend, yeah, we're going to get DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Whew, I'm getting hot just thinking about That, that, that's, that, that is That is going to be... Absolutely a crazy match. You owe it to yourself. Stay tuned for Worlds Collide. We'll talk more about that, of course, on next week's show right here on the Random Wrestling Podcast. But you guys know me. I'm also a huge fan of the cruiserweights. Cruiserweight action was in place as we saw Tyler Breeze, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and of course former cruiserweight champion Leo Rush going at it in triple threat action. Winner will get to take on Garza for the cruiserweight title. Well one of them will face off against two other UK members and Angel Garza for the Cruiserweight title at Worlds Collide. I thought it was just a one-on-one match until they, like, revealed the graphic at the very end because I thought I misheard the commentary, but nope, it's actually happening. We're having a fatal four-way Cruiserweight match for the NXT Cruiserweight title at Worlds Collide. But this triple threat was still fun. It was really weird-slash-cool to see Tyler Breeze fighting for the Cruiserweight title. I know that he's uh, been in 205 Live for a little while now, and kind of bummer because, of course, Fandango out with another injury, which is very unfortunate, hopefully gets well very soon. But still, it was a fun to see the different styles going at it. Leo Rush is just an insanely fast. Tyler Breeze was very charismatic, and Isaiah Swerve Scott, who ultimately won the match, was just insane. Very fun, and all the more reason why I am so happy that the Cruiserweights are now on NXT. And, of course, the Battle Royal, Bianca Belair, surprising a lot of people, uh, ultimately winning the Battle Royal and thus getting a shot against Rhea Ripley at NXT TakeOver Portland in February for the NXT Women's Championship. A couple of things to note here. Chelsea Green, who was recently signed with the Robert Stone brand, was not in this Battle Royal, which was a little surprising. But given the fact that it seems like they're going to have bigger things for her, I'm kind of glad they decided not to go that route. Uh, Maybe they'll put more focus on her and start building her up a little bit more. Uh, on the other hand, we also saw Shayna Baszler enter this battle royal, which, to my knowledge, she was not announced beforehand, so that was a little bit of a surprise. And Mercedes Martinez, the recent signee and 19-year veteran, was also in the battle royal, which, of course, just made me happy. There was even a moment between Mercedes and Shayna Baszler because of how well they are, well, they know each other. So it was just very cool. I kind of hope they do a little bit more with Mercedes and, and Shayna Baszler. If Shayna's not going right up to the main roster and you know maybe even winning the women's Royal Rumble match, hint, hint, then maybe they'll do something with that. I I don't know. I think it'd be very very cool to see, so I'm looking forward to that. Not to say that it's not uh, frigid up here in Massachusetts, but it's pretty cold, which made me all the more infuriating to see Bash at the Beach. Sun, sand, and a whole lot of wrestling. Yes, AEW decided to bring back a special theme for this week's Dynamite as they decided to do Bash at the Beach, and homage to the old-school WCW Bash at the Beach pay-per-view, complete with 80s retro-looking themes and, of course, sand, surf, and so much wrestling. Yes, so much wrestling. I know it's fun, but it's wrestling, too. This was an interesting show, and before we even get into the show itself, I have to say that I like the idea of them doing special-themed Dynamites. I know that they don't do many pay-per-views, uh, at least not yet. As of, as of this recording, they were only doing four for a year, at least presumably. And I kind of like that because it makes the pay-per-views seem that much bigger. But I also like the idea they're doing special AEW Dynamite episodes because it gives the shows a little bit of a unique distinction, a unique feel, and then gives a little bit more of a build when you get into the pay-per-views. So it gives like milestone moments, which I kind of dig. Plus, it's free on TNT. Gotta love that. Which, by the way, I do want to give a little bit of a quick note here. It was announced earlier this week that AEW was able to sign an extension to the end of 2023. So you guys who love Dynamite, you are in for Dynamite action on TNT every single week for at least till 2023. Considering the Dynamite's only been on the air for a couple of months, that is a huge, awesome milestone. So kudos and congratulations to the awesome people over at All Elite Wrestling. Gotta love it. We started off with a Fatal 4-Way tag team match the winners will face SCU for the tag team titles. We had Santana Ortiz against Omega and Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, and of course the best friends with freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy at ringside. This was just a treat. I feel like sometimes that AEW can go a little too crazy with matches, I mean I'm not going to complain and say that it was way too much, there's been a handful of times I've said that, but I felt like this was a very good balance. Now, I know a lot of people were saying on social media, but what about the ranking system and what about this and that? Well, the ranking system did reset at the beginning of the year, so it's still a chance for them to have fresh opportunities. and kind of build up their repertoire and build up their well their stats for the year so i'm not all against it and honestly this matchup i thought was pretty well balanced you had great action great drama i specifically really liked the fact that hangman page and the uh, hangman page omega and the bucks were kind of doing this weird thing we're like yeah we're teammates but we're also enemies we're friends but we're also fighting for the same thing it was it was nice that they at least acknowledged that I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but at least they're not, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to, you know, the... I, I kind of like that they actually put some thought into it, and there was some, you know, psychology with it. Best friend moments with Orange Cassidy were, of course, a treat. I love the giant superplex where even Orange Cassidy, still hands in his pocket, decided to do the superplex, which I thought was really, really fun. Uh, ultimately, it would be Hangman and uh, Omega getting the win here. I was actually a little surprised. I thought either the Bucks or Santana Ortiz would get the victory, but I'm certainly not complaining. It means we're going to get ourselves Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against SCU in the future. And speaking of Page, just to put a brief note in this, I do love the fact that Paige is kind of doing this whole thing where maybe he's had a little too much and he's starting to act out and being aggressive. And it looks like they're putting the, planting the seeds for a potential heel turn, which I'm really, really digging. You know it's going to explode, and I hope that they just kind of pace themselves a little bit when it comes to this. Not that I'm... the MJF and Cody thing, I, I was just surprised how quickly they pulled the trigger on that, but I'm just hoping they let the Paige thing simmer a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. But speaking of Cody... Cody did come out right afterwards and, of course, talked about the stipulations that uh, MJF had set forth in for the, well, the shot of fighting MJF for the next pay-per-view. And the stipulations were as follows. Ten lashings, can't touch MJF until the pay-per-view, and has to face Wardlow inside a steel cage. And Cody, building up the amazing tension and suspense, did agree to all three. Now, I did announce that February 19th, Atlanta, Georgia is where we're going to see Cody take on Wardlow for, well, for the, the, the stipulation for MJF. Uh, we know it's going to be Steel Cage against Wardlow. It's going to be a fun match, and I like that because it's another build. Like I was saying with the IEW special Dynamite episodes like Bash at the Beach, it's another, you know, they're building up to future matches, which I like. It's not a pay-per-view match, but it's another. it's a big milestone match, which I get. I thought, honestly, they'd maybe do it for the beginning of February, but, eh, middle of February is just as good, too. But, again, the bigger picture is I like the fact that they're building towards and, and putting another major milestone going into this whole thing. Now, unfortunately, to me, the biggest uh, missed opportunity here was the women's match. We had Brandy and Mel taking on Chris Stadlander and Hikura Shida in a women's tag team match, and <laughs> here's the thing. The nightmare collective idea is an intriguing one and i i i kind of see where they're going awesome kong was supposed to be part of this match but apparently was not cleared to compete and i think the whole premise of brandy and awesome kong are intriguing and and adding more people to the stable and whatnot um how cody's not involved with this i'm not really sure but then again i think cody doing his own thing with mjf is kind of i'm kind of glad they're separating the two of them out um but i got to tell you, this was, this was the low point for the show for me this week, and it stinks because it's nothing against the women, it's just, there's a lot of confusion over what, what's going on. I think, and I'm theorizing here, I could be wrong, please everyone can correct me if I'm wrong, and I invite anybody to. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to establish a side rivalry for the women's division away from the uh, AEW Women's Championship. I think they're trying to build up a heel stable with mostly women that can be a counter to other babyfaces and create new babyfaces for the division, which I can appreciate. I just feel like it's a little... It's a little much. It, it, it's, it's not... It doesn't have the oomph. Maybe it's because Awesome Kong was missing this week. I don't know. But it just, it really wasn't. And unfortunately, the crowd wasn't into this match either. I appreciate the effort, but it just really didn't click for me this week. Maybe we'll see how things play out, but just eh, a bit of a miss in my opinion. We did have a pretty solid match between Sammy Guevara and Jon Moxley, with Moxley winning via submission of all things, which just caught me off guard. But what was even funnier was, of course, seeing Moxley drive up in his new Ford, which, of course, he was given by the Inner Circle, but that victory over Sammy Guevara was relatively short-lived. It didn't take long for the Inner Circle member Santana, Ortiz, Hager, and Jericho himself to jump Jon Moxley, even taking a spike from, well, Jericho's very aggressive jacket and hitting him in the eye with it. Now... I love uh, nods to old school. I love nods to, um, the, you know, homage to the past. And this instantly brought into my mind when the Road Warriors turned heel and used one of their spiked shoulder pads to blind Dusty Rhodes. In fact, uh, shout-out to Jason Solomon of the Solomonster show, uh, Solomonster sounds off. He actually pointed out that not only they, it was a nice homage there, but Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross were actually on commentary during that Dusty Road Warrior segment, and it was just funny to see it done again here. Um, I think this works in a lot of ways. Obviously, we don't think Moxley is really blind. He could be. He could very well be injured. And tying into the end of the show, I think that was a great way to do it. It fits Moxley's character perfectly, gives him a bit of a disadvantage going into his presumed title match against Chris Jericho. He does have to fight off against Pac next week, but we'll get to that. But I like it. I think that it's, it's if they, it, I, as long as this is the extreme of it, If they don't go any more extreme with this, I just hope that's the case. And in fact, considering the pay-per-view is a good month or so out, as far as I can remember, I I think it's a smart move because now you can see, well, is Moxley going to heal in time? Is he going to be able to be cleared to compete? I mean, granted, he's competing next week, but I I do think this fits Moxley's character and is as extreme and crazy and out there as it may be. First of all, it's not the most crazy, extreme, out there thing we've seen in wrestling. And second... I think it fits well going into the story with Moxley against the Inner Circle. Eye for an eye. Uh, bubbly for a bubbly? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just go with that. Uh, the six-man tag team match was also up next. We had MJF, The Butcher, and The Blade taking on Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and, I'm not making this up, the returning Diamond Dallas Page. DDP made his return to the ring in, I think, uh, what, at least four years? I think the last time I saw him was a battle royal. Uh, and it was really fun. The crowd was super into it. Really cool to see a, uh, to, the crowd really behind DDP. DDP pulling off some impressive moves, looking great, by the way, which I believe, and I could be wrong here, 61 years old? Insane that he's, he looks that good and can still, can still go to the level he does. Uh, MJF was an absolute treat as the heel, milking it up. Loved everything about his performance in this matchup. Of course the heels were to get the victory here. Of course MJF, Butcher, and, Bunny, and Blade were supposed to get the victory. Of course they did. Uh, but it didn't still take anything away. I liked it because it kept Cody and MJF away from each other for a little bit, but at the same time gave a little bit of a spotlight to DDP. Much props and mad respect to uh, DDP for coming out tonight on AEW. Of course, the main event, like I mentioned, was Pac against Darby Allin, with Pac getting the victory in a very fun matchup. But, of course, it was the ambulance um, busting out of... John Moxley or rather Moxley busting out of the ambulance I should say getting a little tongue tied there coming out eye patch and toe saying that he doesn't care if he has one eye, two eyes, no eyes, no arms, no legs, he's going to come out and he will face PAC next week and the winner of that match will challenge Jericho for the AEW World Championship. Again like I mentioned earlier, I think it fits with the character perfectly. I think that it's a uh, a great little build. I want to see how things play out from there. So, but that's all just my opinion, guys. I want to hear what you guys have to say about all this. Let me know your thoughts about everything that went place in, uh, took place this week in pro wrestling. Of course, you guys are watching this on Fight, YouTube, Facebook, or, of course, TV, wherever you guys are listening to this from. Hit me up in the comments. Make sure you download the podcast on all the major audio platforms. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so many more. Again, ones I don't even think, know, or haven't even been created yet. But we'll probably be end up on there, too. So make sure you guys leave it that awesome Dave Meltzer 5-star rating. And, of course, check us out on social media. Hit me up on Twitter at OKFabe. Always love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care. And as always, take it easy.